Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Habits. In this series, we are focusing on habits that we can implement into our routine that bring focus and health into our spiritual, emotional, and physical lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm excited today because we have a guest speaker who's really not a guest. Uh, Mike Truentrin is going to be sharing with you today. Uh, Cynthia and I have been blessed to be in their house many times. They've been our life group leaders. Mike's one of our uh, teachers in the growth track. And today he's going to be teaching us this uh, message today. So uh, give Mike a warm Valley Brook welcome to come up here and bring the message. Appreciate that. You guys hear me okay? Okay, good, 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 good. Well, again, I'm uh, a member of the Dream Team, so I'm part of the volunteer base here at Valley Brook. And uh, we're in the midst of an all-church study. You guys saw the little trailer, little opener on it. And uh, habits matter. So once a year, we come together and all sort of study the same thing in what we called our life groups. For those of you who maybe aren't regular attenders here, we meet on Sundays. And then we meet off I guess it'd be, it could be on a Sunday, but it wouldn't be during the morning on Sunday, in people's homes usually, and we study various things. And the uh, life groups, we call them, will do different studies. So we could be studying a book, we could be studying all these different things, then once a year we come together and we follow um, some type of curriculum where we'll be studying the same thing. So that's what we're in the middle of right now. And we are, again, studying habits. I don't know for anyone that doesn't know, our pastors, Clark and Dan, put this tool together, which is phenomenal. As somebody who's running small groups for a while, I don't know if we can just give them a little appreciation for taking the summer to put together a really awesome resource. So we, we appreciate you guys for sure. So as I was uh, preparing for today, uh, I was thinking a little bit about habits, and I'm kind of into personal development and stuff, and I've heard for years that it takes 21 days to form a habit. Uh, does anyone, like, doubt the accuracy of that? Is it just me, right? Because if it only took three weeks to form a habit, I'd have nothing but good habits, you know? So have you ever heard the whole 30? I'm telling you right now, that thing's from the devil. It's no sugar, no, <laughs> just kidding, it's a good idea, no sugar, uh, no dairy, no nothing, no grain, no flour. You can eat as much as you want, except for everything that you actually want to eat. <laughs> so uh, the idea is this, you go 30 days, restrict your eating, and you kind of reset your, your, your appetite, and then after that you're good. The problem is, here it is at the beginning of November, right? We go 30 days, it's December whatever, December 10th, and you, with your new reset attitude, you go into the holidays, you go to that first party, you see the tray of dessert at the first party you go to, you can have one brownie, and the whole tray is gone. <laughs> what, what happened? So habits are harder for some to develop than others. It takes me more than 21 days, but we can all develop habits that can make a difference in people's lives. And I'm just kidding about the whole 30 thing. It's a good idea. So, so um, uh, the Bible says that do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. As we develop habits, that's really, in essence, what the process that we're going through. 
We're taking what we do now or something that we're not doing now, we apply God's word, and then we go through this renewal process, this mind renewal process. So our habits are all important. That scripture that's in Romans has a promise to attached to it. He said, it says that once you go through this renewal process, then you'll be able to test and approve, in other words, know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So as we develop this process of renewal in our minds through changing our habits, uh, we can hear from God more, we can get closer to him, we can hear what he's doing in the world, like he'll be uh, showing us, and we'll be able to participate in that. So our habits are so critically important. And the habit that I'm going to be able to share with you uh, is the habit of generosity. And... Um, so the Bible has a lot to say about money and possessions, and I think it's very difficult to really have much of a conversation about habits and uh, taking on biblical habits without having a discussion of that and seeing what the scriptures have to say. So I'm going to spend a good amount of my time kind of camped out there. But for me, generosity was very, very difficult uh, to develop initially, and um, my biggest challenge was that I, people tell me I'm sort of a self-starter, I'm self-sufficient, I've uh, made my living mostly as a small business owner or a commission-only person, so if it was going to happen, it was all up to me. I'd work through my month, and I might have a good month or might have a bad month, and at the beginning of the next month, there was nothing coming in unless I went and made something happen. happen. And what I experienced through that was uh, I, I started to hold on too tight to something that I learned was of very little value compared to what God had for me, and I became preoccupied with earning, uh, preserving, holding on to resources and specifically finances, and it led me down a road. So uh, God, because of the way he wired me, he had to really get my attention. So in 2010, I got really, really sick. I, I had a period of time uh, where my health started to decline. I couldn't get out of bed. When I say I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't sleep, but I couldn't get out of bed. I, I literally felt like I was going to die the next day. My energy level uh, disappeared. Uh, I had pain all over my body. I had like, uh, I couldn't really think straight. I had all these neurological symptoms, and it came to be that I got diagnosed with uh, severe Lyme disease uh, several, well, it was months and months and months later. But during that period, I, for all intents and purposes, stopped working. Uh, so our resources, <laughs> Uh, no matter how tight I held on, we had expenses and they just, they were gone. So during that period of time, uh, I had a friend give me this book right here called uh, The Blessed Life, written by Robert Morris. Has anyone read this before? This book is so powerful. If you don't take anything away from what I share, get this book. So God started to talk to me. It's Robert Morris, The Blessed Life. He started to talk with me through some studies when I had a little bit of margin and being able to think straight. And uh, he started talking to me about giving generosity, like loosening the fists and letting go. Uh, so over the course of time, I started to get deeply convicted specifically about giving to God first and uh, specifically giving to the church and tithing. And I remember... Uh, in my kitchen, talking to Lisa, my wife, who's right here, uh, and we, we're having a conversation, 
And I told her, I said, what if we've missed the mark here? You know, we've been going to church. We committed our life to Christ. We never, I, because I, she would have been ready to go long before, it surrendered like this. And I said, what if I missed the mark in this? And she told me, I, I'm, cons- I, I'm concerned about that. I think about that. Uh, so we decided right then and there we were going to start giving. Now, we owed about $7,500 a month to keep our like, life going. Lisa wasn't working. Uh, we had about $3,500 a month coming in. I don't know how good you are at math. That's not good math. <laughs> so we were going underwater every month. And over the course of time, you know, we just, I remember writing those first uh, uh, checks that I would put, and I, I gave them to the church, and I, I prayed. I actually learned this through reading this book. I said, Lord, just, I want a hundredfold return in souls. And uh, so what was amazing is over the next two or three months, you guys are going to think, oh, it's amazing. You know, we like hit the jackpot. All of our money ran out. We got to where we had nothing left. It was August 2011. We were about to lose our house. Uh, we were about to meet, we met with somebody about short-selling the house, and uh, he told us, you have to go delinquent on your, uh, I don't know if you guys know what that is, you, you sell a house for less than you owe on it, we were like $100,000 upside down on this house, it was during the subprime crash in 2009, and uh, so he told us we had to just go delinquent, we had a little bit of money left, so we said, all right, we want to put God first in our finance, if we can make the payment, we'll make the payment. Uh, but if we can't, we're going to receive the grace the bank is willing to offer. Uh, so we got to August 2011. Uh, the brother that told me all about this, that helped people with short sales, uh, I went to church. He gave me an envelope full of, and he was incentivized for us to do this deal. Gave us an envelope with $500 of cash in it. And it was a breakthrough for me. I remember, it, like, looking back now, it's $500, you know. But I looked at it, and I'm like, Wow, look, God provided something out of nothing to do with my effort. And it affected me. Uh, A few weeks later, another $700 come in, and we were still within the grace period of the mortgage, and we were able to make that mortgage. The uh, next month, I I was starting to feel better. We figured out the Lyme. I started getting treated. It was a long road back, but I started to work. uh, And um, from there, we haven't, that next September, we were able to make our mortgage payment no problem. We've never had to borrow for living expenses ever again. Over the next two years, we paid, out, paid off almost $50,000 of racked up debt that happened because of some of this, was able to buy a, like an older used car for cash. And then in 2014, we moved here uh, to be, I grew up in Simsbury, to be closer to my parents. And um, in the midst of that, we came down here with about four months' worth of savings uh, and decided to start a business, not knowing how that was going to go, but starting to trust God. Uh, God had, has multiplied that so far beyond what we had ever expected when we came down here. And um, not only that, but we see surges forward in that right in unison with, um, with us growing in this ability to be able to release And so, I wanted to share with you some things that we learned in that journey. So, we're going to look at a few scriptures. Uh, So, Jesus had a lot to say about possessions, and uh, it's all throughout the Bible. And I think that um, dealing with it head-on is important. Now, you can be generous in a lot of different things. And I don't want to minimize generosity of time, uh, generosity of, you know, just 
words of encouragement. We can be generous in a lot of different ways, but Jesus did specifically warn about this potential for resources, earthly treasures to grab a hold of your heart and, uh, and, and take a hold of it. Uh, so I'm going to share three principles. Uh, we're going to look at a few scriptures, and I, I, I just, I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, I, I just ask that you open our hearts to your word, Lord God. I ask that any walls, any barriers uh, that would uh, deter people from being uh, hearing your word, I just ask that they come down, mighty God. Help me to speak in a way that makes a difference in these people's lives. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, there's over, according to Howard, was it Howard Dayton? The, yeah, Howard Dayton, he's like a financial, Christian financial guy that teaches people how to be good stewards. He said there's over 2,000 scriptures uh, in the Bible about money and possessions. And I think it's because it's something that has such an ability to grab a hold of us. And Jesus said it very clearly. He said, uh, you can't serve God in money. He just threw it right out there. You can't serve God in money. Uh, he knew that there was going to be the potential, a real strong possibility, whether you had a lot of it or a little of it, that it was going to consume uh, your, your, your thoughts and your heart, and it was going to compete. And he said there isn't a co competition. It's going to be one or the other. So it's a one, one or the other thing. So I'm going to go through a scripture uh, it goes like this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and earth destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, this is really interesting. This next several uh, verses, if you want to get clear on the potential of money to capture your heart, you study these scriptures that I'm putting up. Just write these down. You look at them uh, later. It'll make a difference. Uh, he said, instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, there's a powerful uh, indicator and truth locked in that piece of scripture, which is where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But this is pretty interesting because this part of this uh, scripture, Jesus is appealing to our logical nature. He's trying to say, why on earth would you hold on so tight and spend your life on something that is extremely temporary? Even if we can hold on to it our entire life and multiply it, when we go, it's all gone. The wealthiest person in the world is going to have the same on the other side in perspective of material wealth as the poorest person with nothing. That's just how it's going to go. So Jesus is appealing to our uh, logic here, saying, hey, I'm going to tell you how you can store up something that will have eternal value. You'll be able to exchange your dollars for something that will never go away. And so uh, he'll reveal that. And then the next part of this scripture is very interesting. It says, uh, the lamp of the body is the eye. So the eye in this represents our intention, our heart focus, our desire. You could call it almost our preoccupation. It's our driving force. That's what that's talking about there. It says, if therefore your eye is good, then your whole body is full of light. What he's trying to say is that if your intention, your heart focus, and your vision is good, the byproduct of that is going to be good. You're gonna have, and then he says the opposite. If your eye is bad, 
your heart condition and your draw towards something is bad, then you're going to have bad fruit. He said in another, uh, another scripture, he said, a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. That's basically what he's saying right here. He's referencing wealth here. He's referencing money. He's referencing material possessions because the verse previous to this is talking about that. And then the verse following it is very specifically talking about that. Uh, so the next part of, the, of this verse is the one that gets us really thinking, hey, I better inspect my heart. Because it says that if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That's like scary. So what light, what light is darkness? There is no light that's darkness. Jesus is trying to really make a point here. If light comes into the room, what happens to darkness? Dissipates, it flees. Light drives out darkness. Uh, So what he's saying is what you think is light is actually darkness. How great is that darkness? He ends that way to say, hey, you might be off track here, and this is really all about deception. You think you got it figured out when really you don't. I'll give you an example of it. Uh, so let's say you're planning for retirement. Nobody sent Clark an email this week. I'm not saying don't plan for retirement. It's, that's great. It says don't uh, spend everything that you got. It says to lay up a storehouse for your children and the children's children. So all of that is fine. But what if you've got an account that's starting to rack up some cash and the market's going really good and you look at it, you log in and you say, I am all set. I am provided for. I feel good because I'm taken care of. And you start to put your hope and your trust in that thing versus the one who provided it, right? You ask all the people in 2009 that were getting ready to take that step to retirement and they were looking at their accounts. You don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm saying that there's a potential that a light that we have within us that we think is light that could be darkness, it could be taking us and competing with us to trust in something that's not what we're supposed to be trusting in. So then he just lays it all out. He said, okay, you guys, hopefully you get it at this point. Uh, No one can serve two masters for they're going to either love the one or hate the other or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other and just lays it out. You can't serve God and mammon. Now that word mammon, that's from the New King James translation. If you look at a lot of other translations, straight up says money there. Uh, But mammon is the idea, almost a personification of this evil thing that wants to draw you away to God to get you to trust in resources over the living God. And so that's what what he's he's talking about here. So there's a, a truth that is revealed in this scripture, which is where your treasure is there, your heart will be also, that I want to dig into a little bit. Jesus is giving a powerful uh, law that generous people understand here. So we have um, evidence by what we spend our money on what, as to what we love, right? So if you show me your checkbook, Everyone under 25, it's about this big. You can open it up and you can buy stuff or you can just do this. It all works. <laughs> just kidding. But so uh, you, 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 whatever you're spending your money on, if I could see your spending habits, I could tell you what you care about. Easy. You could go do, to, do it today. 
Go look at what you're spending on. That's what's important to you, right? But there's another side of this verse that's very powerful where you could change your life, which is if there's something that you want to love more, what could you do? You could spend. Spend on it. You could put some of your treasure uh, where you wanna, where you wanna love more. So it was like this for me. I liked the church. I was interested in the church. I mean, the church is the hope of the world. Like, so really, this isn't the church. This building's not the church. You, you guys are the church. Yeah, it's the thing that's gonna go onto the other side. And I liked it. I was interested in it. But when I started to invest in it, when I started to commit to it, when I started putting my earthly treasures, things that I could, uh, and I'm not like trying to share a message, here's why you should give more to the church. I'm talking opening your hand to release to something that you care about. And uh, so then my heart for the church grew. So it works the same with people. I was interested in people, I liked people, uh, but when I started looking for needs that people had and I started to release my hand like this, all of a sudden my love for them increased. So that's what generosity can do for you. You make a decision that I'm not going to keep this all for me. I'm going to go like this, and all of a sudden your heart expands for people, right? And um, so all the, all the married ladies in the house, go like this real quick. Can you guys do that? Can you do that? Want to love your spouse some more? You got to do the other one this way. <laughs> Invest some treasures in them. Invest some treasures in them. Did I hear a sister at the back? Amen, brother. You preach it. <laughs> so uh, we have an opportunity to direct where we put our worldly wealth, and, uh, and then we can expand our hearts for it. I'll, I'll just mention the church again. Like I said, uh, it's the only thing that's going to endure forever. How do we convert what we have now and convert it to eternity? And it's through investing in drawing people to a relationship with God, Okay. And um, it's very, very important. So the alternative is uh, not ideal. We invest our lives and spend it in a kingdom that is disappearing anyway, no matter how well you steward it. Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, is taking the same amount with him as all of us are, right? So we could spend our life on it. Not, and I just want to be really clear. I am not saying there's anything wrong with saving or spending small or large amounts. I'm all great with all of that. But if we uh, hold on so tight that it's captured our heart, we just have to make sure that the light that's within us is not really something other than actually that. And how do we break this, uh, this spirit? Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you, you give, you give. I highly, like I said, read this book, The Blessed Life, you're gonna, I wish I could teach on, on more of this, but it's just not time. But you can make a decision to release, and you will find that that will break in your life. That preoccupation with, oh my gosh, do I have enough? Or how am I going to fill in the blank? That that will dissipate as you start to trust the Lord for all that you need. It's pretty straightforward. The second principle I wanna, I wanna talk about is uh, the principle of to decide, or decision. And so decision is extremely powerful. It kinda looks like this. I was here, I drew a line like this, and I'm going over here, and I'm not ever going back over there anymore. 
That's what decision looks like. Decision isn't trying. Decision isn't, although God says in the Bible that you can test him in releasing funds to his kingdom, uh, but ultimately, decision isn't trying. Decision isn't, hey, I'm here, I'm going to go over here, and I'll do some of that and see how it goes, and then I'll watch. I'm going to come back over here. That's not decision. So decision is saying, hey, I've got my hands clenched too tightly. I'm tired of spending my entire life on something that I know in my heart is going away and dissipating. It's, it's, it's falling through. The harder I held on when we had nothing, the quicker it left. And I'm going over here, and I don't care what happens if it kills me. I'm not going back over there. That's what a decision for generosity can look like. You think that that'll make an impact in the world? That makes an impact in the world when you decide to do that. You start putting value on the things that have eternal difference, and you go like this. He's going to provide for us. So that's what decision, that's what decision uh, looks like. Let's, let's, um, one thing that I want to say here is that I remember hearing messages like this when I was upside down and have nothing. I want to be clear. I'm not saying go out and give what you don't have because that's not actually giving. That's borrowing. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Uh, but everybody's got something that they can give. And I'm not saying, I want to challenge you here because there are a lot of other things other than resources and finances you can give. And God wants you to do that. It's very important. But uh, specifically here, if you're in a spot like we were, we're about $3,000 a month upside down, um, talk to God. Maybe it's not whatever, but you're going to spend 20 bucks at Starbucks this week, right? Or whatever, or this month, something. You got something that you can put out uh, and release. And what I'd say is that God can do a lot with a little. Like, God can do a lot with a little. It's not a little with a little. Uh, even if it's a change in your heart, when I started to decide I'm not going back, and I started to release, uh, it was a little. It really probably didn't make a huge impact where I was putting it, but something happened here, and then something happened out here, and maybe something happened in the hand that I put it, and then things changed, right? So don't diminish what you can do. Like, if you're upside down and you're like, how would I give more? What I'd say to you is that uh, we have a lot of ways we can help you. There's a, a life group, actually. Who runs the uh, financial piece? And you can go through that. You can learn how to be a good steward, how to not burn through everything that you got so you got a little left to give. And God will multiply it, but just don't begrudge what you can do. When you come over here and you make that decision, just release and expect that God's going to do something powerful. Let's look at a scripture in 2 Corinthians. And this is going to, uh, I'm going to go through this and just make a couple quick comments. I, I really wanted to um, study this last one we looked at. But this is a promise. This is what you can expect. And this is where uh, God can take you in this place of generosity. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Right? You're over here. You're not gonna, and then you go over here, it's going to be a different deal. We could all go home, and, and, be, and if we implemented it, everything would change. Uh, each of you should give what you have decided. You stepped across the line, 
in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So how do you become a cheerful giver? It's going gonna, it's gonna to tell you right in the Bible how that's going to happen. And this is your call, the call on your life that God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you can abound in good works. You don't have good works on Christmas and on Easter and maybe every third Thursday. Uh, this is talking about God blesses you so you can be a blessing and abounding good works all the time. Uh, and then this is funny because Paul's just preaching here. He, re he, re he references some scripture. Uh, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And somebody definitely said amen to that. And so uh, n now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply increase to your store of seed. So he's basically going on to say that uh, uh, you're you will enlarge your harvest for righteousness or of righteousness. He's going to give you more. This is where it's important. As God starts to bless you, after you release, you got to know what the more is for. Not the more is not just so you can get fill in the blank for yourself. The more is so you can be a seed or you can plant a seed. You can be the sower, rather, is what I'm saying. Uh, so, and this is basically how you move from making that decision and how to be a good giver. So you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Okay, you want to be a cheerful giver? Try that one on for size. I promise you. What does the life look like when you're going around and you gotta, God's got to be speaking to you, but God speaks to you about this. Yes. God speaks to you about this. Yes. God speaks to you. Oh, it would be my honor to help there. Right? What would that look like? I think you'd be a cheerful giver. So God's word is true. Uh, so we have to decide, we have to listen to God's promptings, and then we, we just, we fall through, we cross over the line. And the last uh, point I want to just touch on is um, investing in heaven. Investing in heaven. I was thinking about this on the way here today, and God just put this on my heart, that we have an opportunity to uh, convert uh, or exchange the dollars that we have for immeasurable value, dollars for diamonds. What if somebody offered you to deal and they said, hey, you can take your dollars and I'll give you diamonds for the dollars. Like one dollar, one diamond. How many diamonds, how many would you do? What's the answer to that? As many as you could, right? Right? So uh, you might prioritize a few different things. You might say, oh, wow, look, I can take something of very little value. And that's what I want to encourage people that obviously the resources that God puts in our hand are of value. But if you put them in comparison with eternity, they have little, little, little value. Okay? So if there's a way that we can convert them from uh, something of little value to something of great value, then uh, we obviously want to do that. Uh, Jesus told a story of a totally evil manager of a business. He was pilfering the business. He was like Enron all over 2,000 years ago. <laughs> and this guy was stealing uh, money from his employer. He got found out, and he was going to get canned. Before he did, he was so funny. This guy, like, robbed them even worse on the way out the door. He went to the people that the biz owed the business money and said, hey, give me your bill. Just tear it up. You owed 800, 
You owed 800, just call it 400. We're going to call it good. I know I'm an amazing person. So he did that. And his whole idea was that I'm going to win favor from people. So after I get canned, somebody will take care of me. And then Jesus said, do the same thing. You know why he shared that story? He wanted to be clear about what he wanted us to do. Obviously, he didn't want us to steal. He didn't want us to like pilfer our companies. Uh, but what he wanted us to do is use our worldly wealth to win people, to influence people. Okay, and hit the, the last verse that we're going to look at is in Luke 16, 9. And it was so much fun studying this, this verse. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This is not saying be a generous person so if, you know, your bank accounts get drained, somebody's going to take care of you. Although, in my experience, that's what happens. He's talking about something different because he wouldn't have talked about eternal dwellings. He's talking about uh, eternity. He's talking about heaven here. So he's saying that we can do this eternal exchange of taking the treasures that we have, not to say that we can't uh, enjoy our life. It says that he blesses us for enjoyment, but he also says that he blesses us so we can be a blessing to other people, okay? So there's a lot of hurting people all around us, this whole region, like every, every town, your neighborhoods, there are people who are far from God, who don't know God, have never connected with them, they're lost, they're without hope, and then you could come along. An act of generosity, a willingness to release that which is of very little value for something that's of great, enduring value. And I think it could go something like this. I'm just going to close with a story. You live your life out here on earth. You end up in heaven. You see a woman far off. And you remember everything at this point. It says we see through a glass clearly at that point. And you remember her years and years before uh, she had served you at a restaurant. And you were there with a friend for lunch, and you remember looking uh, at her and saying, wow, she looks so sad. And you, and you know it was the Holy Spirit talking to you now, because you're in heaven, and uh, your heart kind of broke for her a little bit. So the bill came, you open it up, it was like $50, you gave her a $100 tip. And then you, you left. So now you're in heaven, after remembering all this. She sees you and comes over to you and says, do you remember me? And you say, I do remember you. I was just thinking about you. And uh, she said, she says, when you came in, I was this close to giving up. I was at the end of the end for myself. The people I thought loved me had abandoned me. I was broken. I was destroyed inside. And then you showed up. And then you showed up. And I remember taking that bill and going to the, the register and looking, and I saw that tip, and I'm like, wow, there must be a mistake. And then I saw your little note. It said, something to remind you that God loves you. And I wept, she says. I cried there. I wanted to say thank you to you. I turned to you and to say thank you. You were gone at that point. I've been waiting for you up here. I've been waiting for you. And then she goes on to tell you that a week later she told a friend of hers about your act of generosity and gave that person courage to share Jesus with her. She received Jesus and she says, and here I am. 
come on in. I can't wait to show you all that Jesus has for you. And you know what you're going to think on that day? You're going to look and be like, thank God I went like this. Thank God you're my treasure. And you may hear more and more stories like that up there that you have an opportunity to release. Can we, can we just pray at this point? That's what I wanted to share today. Father, I just thank you. I just thank you. You're an amazing God, Lord. Help us to release. Help us to take what is of uh, little value and convert it into something of eternal value. And so with every uh, head bowed and every eye closed, just giving people, um, giving people some privacy here. Uh, if you're here today, and what I'm talking about, you've never experienced generosity. You've never experienced God is the greatest giver. It says in the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave what was of most value to him, his only son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And as you're sitting here today, uh, it's as easy as asking him in. It says in the Bible, take a step towards God and he'll take a step towards you. So I'm going to walk you through a prayer. It's about three sentences. It's not the prayer that's going to save you, but it's God that will. So if that's you and you feel like you're ready, you, you've, you've been standing over here and you've been holding on too tight, you're ready to step forward and step to God, uh, at the count of three, just put your hand up. One, two, three. Go ahead, put up your hand. I see that hand. I see, I see that hand over there. I see that hand. I'm going to walk you through a short prayer. Just repeat this. You can do it silently or you can do it out loud, however you're comfortable. Dear God, thank you so much for Jesus. Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. Thank you that you washed them away. I believe that you died for me. I ask you in. I want you to be my Lord. What that means is that you'll follow him. And Jesus, I want you to be my savior. That means that you're going to receive the full gift of forgiveness that he has for you. Just pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.